0: Medical
1: Matters 24 minutes after 8 o'clock and my guest is Dr. Nolutando Nemetswerani Chief Clinical Officer at Discovery Health Uh, Dr. Nolutando, thank you so much for joining us really, really appreciate your time
0: Thank you, thank you for having me Aubrey and welcome back and yes, thank you for inviting me to speak to you tonight
1: I appreciate you giving me a little time to rant a little bit uh, I, miss, I miss I miss everybody, and it's such exciting times, you know. But thank you so much for joining us. I really no, appreciate it. A okay. hundred thousand new cases of cancer are diagnosed each year in South Africa. That's scary, doc. Um,
0: and and I think Aubrey, while we say uh, so many cases are diagnosed each year, but there are some people. Who are, you know, who are diagnosed very late and, you know, having waited for a long time before they present themselves to care. And, and I think that's what we need to be talking about tonight to say, you know, if we're talking about diagnosis of cancer, but we're talking about early diagnosis of cancer, that's a better picture than if we're saying people are getting diagnosed, but diagnosed at a late stage. Where it's very difficult to treat and usually very costly to manage and usually the survival outcomes are also poorer so Dr you what you're saying
1: to me is that there's context and nuance here that we need to understand in order for us to act appropriately in order perhaps to even bring that number down
0: yes yes so um Aubrey, it's it's very clear that a cancer can be prevented so 40 percent of cancers not really cancers, eh? but cancers can be prevented. By just eating well and walking and uh, just being physically active. So, um, if we if we think about poor diet, lack of physical activity, we, we speak about sedentary lifestyles and people just uh, gaining weight. Uh, we know that that contributes to um, cancer diagnosis.
1: Oh, cancer can be prevented. You know when you say, when I said really, I thought you, you you were saying cancer can be cured for a second. I wasn't listening. Uh, properly. It can be
0: cured. Really, cancer can be prevented, and cancer can be cured if you pick it up early. That's why we say the sooner you can pick it up, the better it is. That uh, the, the the higher the chances of it being cured. So imagine a, a woman who has got breast cancer. When we say go and screen, we say go and screen when you feel nothing, when you can't even feel a lump. And during that process of screening, that small lump can be picked up, and it can then be removed. And the chances of hundred percent cure are very high in those cases where it is still very tiny, it has not spread anywhere in your body. So that's what we are really trying to to alert people to, because I think. Um, cancer for many many years. I mean, people always look at it as a, as a as a death sentence. But we know people who, with early diagnosis of cancer, have lived for very long uh, with and they've been cancer free for those many years because it was detected early and
2: removed.
1: I, I I'm astounded by what I'm hearing because for the longest of time, and I'm sure you are more aware of this than I am. The longest of time. The moment you heard the word cancer, the C word, your mind immediately understood that this person is not going to survive. This means that the person yeah. is 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 condemned to death, as it were. And, and to hear that, with the right timing, and just in terms of of diagnosis of of, of detection and so forth, we can actually cure cancer. That for me is. Powerful, powerful notion. Because I think that the narrative of the incurability of cancer has grown so deep and has become literally a cancer itself in the minds of people's uh, in, in in the minds of most people's uh, who who think about cancer. Yeah,
0: and and I think that's the problem because people uh, fear cancer so much they actually stay away from these screenings that we're discussing today. Uh, because um, they fear that if I know, then I'm going to die. Whereas we're saying, actually, it's better to know early because there's something that can be done and you can actually save your life by going there early and and making sure that all those interventions that are actually curative in most instances can therefore be deployed. So so really, we're encouraging people. But I must tell you what we see, and, and I think... What we have been exposed to is late diagnosis of cancer. We've seen uh, poor outcomes of cancer, which is why a lot of people think that that is obviously uh, the, the 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 progression uh, for all patients, which is not the case. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that today as we speak, there are people who are listening out there who are going to take this message and really go and get screened and save their lives.
1: Doc, let's go back to that number 100,000 every year, uh, new cases diagnosed each year. And you started off by saying that we need to understand that there's nuance and context here that we need to be aware of. Break it down for me. Of that 100,000, perhaps in in percentages, which of that 100,000 are detected early enough for the possibility possible remission of cancer and which of those are detected perhaps a little too late and which um, shall we say um, v- variants of cancer are the most virulent are the most violent?
0: So I mean um, our our local data I might not have the the most accurate figures in terms of the split between the different stages of cancer but uh, if we look at the national stats which obviously will combine both private sector and public sector data um we know that in the public sector for example majority of people um the, the diagnosis will be in the late stages so um I, I can even maybe put my head on the block and say maybe 80% of the cases are actually um, you know diagnosed later uh, on when they, the, the cancer is already spread to other parts of the body and, and which is the picture then that people will have in their minds that, you know, that's how the cancer progression is always supposed to be. Um, whereas for that 20% of patients who may have, uh, because of a loved one who saw something and, you know, uh, guided them to, towards care early, or they might have been lucky to also just go through a screening process. Uh, For those, uh, you know, uh, individuals, then their cancer journey is going to be very different in that uh, they will be um, survivors uh, of cancer and they are able to beat cancer. Mm. And we do know that, I mean, uh, even when we speak about cancer, I mean, there are many different types of cancers. Uh, There's breast cancer for women, which is the, the top cancer. Uh, and in males, we know it's prostate cancer. We also know about colorectal cancer, which is cancer of the bowel. We also know about cervical cancer, which is another common condition. I mean, common cancer in women in South Africa. And then there's lung cancer as well for people who smoke. Um, so it's important for us to, to also unpack that. And then there are, you know, blood cancers that affect mainly the, 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 the children. I mean, there you you find that there isn't a screening uh, that you can do. Uh, So it's important to also just give context to say not every cancer can be screened for, but where there are screening programs, we encourage people to go and screen. Um, And where there are no screening programs, we also say when people go and present themselves to uh, healthcare professionals for their general checkups, that is an opportunity for the doctor to pick up anything that may be a, you know, abnormal, even if it's not um, as part of a screening program. So so I think we are encouraging people, whether you're screening for the cancers where there's a screening program or you're just presenting yourself to a healthcare facility, to a healthcare provider for your general checkups, it is good to make sure that uh, you are regularly, um, you know, checked uh, for any potential um, cancer diagnosis.
1: I have a message here from dealer on the WhatsApp line and it reads, I've lived a healthy lifestyle all my life. I eat right and I'm in the gym almost every day. I have ovarian cancer. So I think by you saying that cancer is prevented by living a healthy lifestyle, um, then there's an ellipsis. He says, kindly select your words carefully. How do you respond to that, doc?
0: I said to Adila, 40% of cancers. So it means 60%, you know, you, you you may not be able to do anything. Similarly, I said, you see, if you think about children who have got leukemias, blood cancers, there isn't much that parents might, might do uh, about that. But I think we must talk about the 40% that we can still prevent um, and not uh, only focus on the 60% that's not preventable. Because if we can prevent what we can prevent, it goes a long way in managing the numbers that we see. What so cool. Adila, I'm really sorry for your diagnosis. Um, and I think we we need to also then speak about other risk factors for cancer because mm-hmm. there are genetic factors. There are other people who have got a genetic predisposition to cancer.
3: Mm-hmm. When
0: you speak to those people, you will find that they've got cancer. There they may be a relative, a close relative who had cancer. Mother died of cancer. Dad had another form of cancer. Uncle had cancer. So there are those families where there's a strong family history of cancer. But there's also cancers that will arise regardless of whether you were, you know, a healthy somebody. I mean, we know people who have died of colorectal cancer at a young age. We know people who have got breast cancer at a young age and they died of, of breast cancer, not necessarily because they 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 didn't live a healthy life mm. uh, lifestyle. But um, it, it's important to also just create a context that says there is a balance. That says there is a component that's preventable. Yes, not all of it is preventable, but where we can try and 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 influence um, the cancer outcome, and um, I think we need to to also educate people about that.
1: Let's take a call from Sfiso in Johannesburg. Hi, Sfiso.
4: Hi, bro. Um, Unfortunately, uh, Dr. Nalutandru, I'm about to compound what Adila has just mentioned, because um, what almost like sprung my ear uh, at the moment you mentioned that um, cancer can be cured. I felt like it was some kind of an oversimplification in a sense that you then pick out one specific instance, and I don't know how many there are. But in my mind, I just feel like, generally speaking, Cancer cannot be cured. There are certain instances where, where certain limbs, when they are involved, and I suppose the breast cancer as well. Maybe like if you've got cancer on your leg and it hasn't spread, um, maybe it can, you know, can be amputated and then you can survive it. But now, when one says it can be cured, it's just like, wow, okay. There's a legal, ex- uh, well, um, a, a, an expert saying it can be cured, and you have some kind of hope. But I just feel like, from a percentage point of view, I'm not expert in this topic. But from a percentage point of view, um, one can sort of uh, take it that cancer can actually not be cured, other than those certain instances. Okay, doc. Uh,
0: no? Yeah, thank you so much for that, sir. And, and and I think um, it's important to create that balance. And and I think we we do want to send a message of hope because. If if you say cancer cannot be cured, I mean we know people who have who are cancer free because their cancer was detected early and it was surgically removed and there was no, um, um you know there, there was no residual cancer that was left behind, and and I mean if you if you just uh, spend some time maybe go through some literature and see, and uh, some of the cancers I mean we 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 speak about curative intent in the. In the treatment of cancer, it's because the doctors know that for certain cancers, you know, you can cure, you can cure them. Um, yes, uh, there's a significant amount of cancers that may not be cured. And, and the nature of those cancers is that by the time they're diagnosed, they usually spread, um, to other parts of the body, which makes once it has spread, you know, uh, we don't speak about cure. We speak about, you know, prolonging survival. And 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 I think it's 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 balancing that. But when we screen, I mean, the main reason why we screen is because for those cancers where we are screening, we're saying if you can detect it early, you can do something. And usually for those, you can remove it. Yes, I agree. Not everything is curable, but I don't want us to to paint the full picture of of cancer as doom and gloom.
1: Mm. I think when we started the conversation, and I spoke about that hundred thousand, and you said, listen. We need to understand that there's nuance and context. I think this is precisely what you were talking about to say that um, if you look at the data closely enough um, and you perhaps don't generalize as much as we sometimes do uh, mm-hmm. when thinking about cancer, because, yeah, I mean, I, I, the general sort of feeling is that once you hear the big C word, that's it. That's tickets. That's doomsday, right? But you're saying to me yeah. that a closer look at the data and how the the, the disease behaves under certain con- conditions, there are certain stages of the cancer that can be cured, or the, yes. and there are certain stages that can go into remission. There are certain stages of cancer where perhaps um, you're just trying to prolong life and manage the. The, the reality of its existence. But what, what I'm hearing is that along the continuum, there are different stages, different realities, and we shouldn't look at this number, 100,000, or the entirety of the cancer conversation uh, through one lens, if I understand you correctly, Doc. No, definitely,
0: Aubrey. And, and I think um, I don't want to to... To downplay um Adila's um uh, you know experience and Spizo's uh, own um, personal experience and it's important that context that says because we always also even for the cancers where we know other people do get into that uh, you know that that stage of of cure, that because of what we are exposed to, where people are always diagnosed very late. In the in the disease um I think uh, you know Swiss probably would know a lot of people who have died of cancer and uh, they might have had some of the cancers where I can say actually that cancer if it was picked up early the outcome would have been different and I think that's the conversation that I want us to have today to say let's let's encourage people because if our view of cancer is that it's doom and Gloom Then there is no reason for people to actually go and screen because it's almost like I don't want to know. Uh, because if I know, then I'm dead anyway. Whereas I'm saying today, actually you're not dead anyway. If you, if it can be picked up early and when it's still, when you're not symptomatic, that's the most important part about screening is you need to be presenting yourself when you're feeling well and healthy and nothing is wrong with you. That's when these, uh, you know, these screening tests are able to pick up the tiniest uh, of these uh, of these uh, lumps uh, or whatever else we're screening for, so that we can intervene early.
1: Toy M says, uh, "Well, it's it's known to me." So it says, "Good evening. I'm listening to your guest. However, I have a concern that I was diagnosed with colon cancer on the fourth of September, 2018. I need to have a personal engagement with her." And that is from Nondumiso. I don't know if that's possible, Doc, but uh, um, perhaps you can refer Nondumiso if you can't uh, meet with us specifically. But uh, we'll get those contact details perhaps at the end of the conversation. Gavin Quad, mm. he says, uh, reason why cancer is detected late in black population is our health facilities are failing us. Because I went several times to a clinic uh, and, uh, doctor and doctor to request for screening. But the common rejection is I'm young for gustic cancer. I don't know what gustic cancer is. Gustic. and oh, probably, probably just a spitting error. Says, and I should be, uh, at least 50. Irony is that I'm 43, says, uh, Gavin Kwadi. Uh, and again, it appears that there's a mixture of reasons as to why. We have late detections of cancer. Sometimes it is a systemic problem, with, um, particularly with uh, uh, public sector um, health institutions, or sometimes it is the fear factor at, that you pointed out, Doc.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Gavin is, ra- is raising such an important fact, which is why I was saying, you know, um, there are many types of cancers. I think he was referring to gastric cancer, which is cancer of the stomach. And he's right. I mean, um, screening for gastric cancer, which we don't even have a formal screening program in South Africa for that, um, is, is recommended from the age of 50. And, um, and I mean, even with other cancers. So when we think about colorectal cancer, the screening recommendation, in fact, a, a from the United States guidelines, it was starting from the age of 50 and other, you know, international guidelines. And then they were revised down to 45 years. Uh, but we know people uh, who have died of colorectal cancer at much younger ages—ages ages of 20, ages of 30. So, so what happens, uh, Aubrey, and I think this is an important um, conversation because how do you structure a screening program? You screen in a population where there there is a higher prevalence of people who may have that uh, that uh, condition. So. Uh, then you find that the screening recommendations will be at higher ages where we know that your risk of cancer increases with age. So the older you are, the the higher the likelihood that you may develop cancer. Um, But what happens is that in the lower, in the younger age groups, um, cancer is not that common, but it does okay. So you find that there is no screening recommendation for a child you know for for children who are uh, you know who are in fact for younger people let's say younger than the ages of 40 but it doesn't mean that they will not be affected by cancer so it it, it uh, those are realities but it's just that when you structure a screening program you almost structure it uh, around a population where you're saying they they've got a higher likelihood of 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 the, of, the, of that condition and therefore you want to pick up uh, those people. Otherwise, in a population where it's very rare to find somebody, you're going to screen a lot of people only to pick up one or two. Mm. So that's why, but uh, it's a reality that uh, even younger people do um, get uh, cancers, um, all sorts of cancers by the way.
1: I want to talk a little bit about how we hear the, con- the, the conversation around cancer in a few moments time. I want to take another call, but I really want you to, 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 to think about how you respond to the question about how we hear the conversation around cancer. And just in the last few minutes that we've been talking, I have a concern about how we hear that conversation because uh, that may have something to do with how we behave towards this particular disease. But Selma is in Rudaput. Hi, Selma. Hello, Are
2: you well um, I've actually got... Fine, thanks, to you.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Go ahead, uh, Selma.
2: Uh, I don't want to waste everybody's time. I know of three uh, possibilities where cancer can be cured. Now, normally they say if you get a five-year survival rate, damn good. If you get a 10-year survival rate, chances are that in after 10 years, it still hasn't been returned. They do consider it as possibly cured. Now, I have a cousin, for example, that got breast cancer, but they found out about it early enough tried took it all out, and what, worked. it, Actually, it hadn't uh, really gone to the um, lymph nodes. That's always the big problem once you get to the lymph nodes. And a lot of females, uh, the hormones tend to fire it on. And they put them on a thing called tamoxifen, which is uh, a thing that suppresses hormones, which is also, I believe, uh, a type of chemo. Um, uh, and... Um, you won't believe it, I know someone else was in their 20s. And these people have not had a recurrence after 10 years, 15 years. This lady, my cousin, is in their 70s. There is a cure, depending on how soon you get it and what what the research is. My husband died of bioblastoma multiforme, a terribly vicious brain cancer. He had a great. I've just realized that it was 18 years ago. There hasn't been a cure at all. I've just recently read Apparently, they have found which they now actually mm. have tried on a guinea pig and uh, they are doing more research into it and they're actually been going to trials where they found that, what well, believe it, the polio virus targets fast-growing cells. That's why it's on children that haven't been vaccinated. Now, they say that Polivirus, uh, certain strength, so I don't know exactly how to do this, I'm not one of those biological people, and they actually inject it through the person's skull into that mm. uh, glioblastoma multiform cancer, and then that yep. attacks it. And because those cancers are terribly fast, right? but that's what can do. They tend to totally grow much faster than your normal cells and proliferate. And it actually killed off the cancer. That woman is cancer free for a cancer that there is a <laughs> basically, if there's a 1% survival rate, that's a lot.
1: Selma, I'm going to well, let you go. I'm going to let you go. But uh, thanks very much for your contribution, as always. Love talking to Selma. Uh, Dr. Nalu, what do you make of what Selma has to say? It wasn't the best of lines, but uh, she seems to uh, have information or has experiences of cancer being cured.
0: Yes, no, and I mean, he, she mentioned two forms of cancer. She mentioned uh, breast cancer and um uh, and uh, brain, uh, brain tumors. So, and I think it's, it's, it's so important to hear it from somebody who knows somebody because sometimes it's like, okay, this doctor is just telling us whatever they want to tell us. But, um, I really want people to, to, to be encouraged because we, we know these cases of people who have actually been cancer free for many years. Um, and, and I think um, if we can change, um you know, our views specifically in our black communities around cancer, and really present ourselves, but I mean, I do not want to to downplay the failures of the of the the healthcare system sometimes. I know people who would say I presented myself, but you know uh, the system failed me, so that's a completely different thing, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying, let's at least present ourselves to the healthcare facilities and give ourselves a better chance of survival. And, and beating cancer.
1: And so it brings me to the question I asked just before Selma's uh, conversation. It appears that, that we hear the cancer conversation from a position of fear. Uh, and it appears to me that what this whole campaign that, Actually, started yesterday is about is trying to lessen the fear without downplaying the real experiences of people with regards to cancer. But in your experiences, yes. in in the conversations that you have about cancer, how do you how do you get over the real fear, the justified fear, the valid fear of cancer? Uh, lots of questions, obviously, coming through about what what fundamentally causes cancer I suppose that question is a mechanical technical sort of um, uh, medical question but 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 talk to me about the conversation how do we have the conversation that brings hope but isn't what we call sunshine journalism in our in our space uh, that recognizes the reality of the fear which is justified for cancer because it is indeed a, a merciless, uh, disease, just in terms of how it ravages the body, the pain it brings, the the anguish, the 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 anxiety that it brings in not only the patient but the family of the patient and their loved ones uh, across the board. How do we have the conversation in such a way that we can hear the hope of what we are hearing medically in terms of the data, but not downplay the realities the the, the the things that people have gone through that has brought about the fear
0: yeah it's a, it's a diff, it's a difficult one um Aubrey because i i'm going to be you know coming from the point of view of having looked at the clinical data understanding the statistics understanding what is written about cancer and knowing people who have actually survived cancer so that that's my point of view. So when I approach somebody who obviously has got a completely different view, I mean it takes um understanding what their fears are and and trying to 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 show them that some of the fears are, are not necessarily always uh, valid, um the fears uh, because uh, they are based on misinformation sometimes people not fully having the, the, the full, um, you know, um, information around uh, what cancer is and, and how cancer presents and also how it can be prevented and also how it can be treated. Um, so it, it really requires patients understanding and, and, and being, um, being kind and gentle in how sometimes we, 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 we deliver information to people with the understanding that, you know, those, 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 the fear is real. And it's because people have seen, um, what cancer has done, maybe to a close friend, to a close relative. And, and that's, that's their view. That's their picture that they will always have in their minds of what cancer is. So it's always very difficult. But I think what we are not doing enough maybe is to share the stories of the people who have actually been on the other side. Uh, These are the people who have gone early, who have had a diagnosis of cancer, but who are able to to tell a different story. And I think those are the stories that we need to be telling people. And and you know what? I think there's no better way to educate than somebody else's life story uh, that they share and say, this is me, this is where I was and this is where I am now. And um, rather than me, uh, you know, telling them this is what the literature says, because it feels very scientific and, you know, very theoretical. Um, so I think we should be doing more in terms of sharing, um, you know, uh, real stories of people who have uh, gone through this journey and their outcome is completely different to, you know, the common view that cancer is a deadly disease.
1: What causes cancer?
0: It's, it's multifactorial. So there are lots of things and um, some of it is not known. And uh, some of it is really, like I said, there's the age factor, there's the dietary, poor diet and lack of this collectivity. We know there's a genetic component to it. There's a hormonal component to it. So there are various reasons. And some of it, like I'm saying, there's, there's no reason. I know a child who went through a, a very, very, very painful uh, cancer journey. No family history of cancer. There's nothing that they could have done differently. Um. But uh, unfortunately, they had a very bad diagnosis of cancer, and by the time it was discovered, it had already spread to local organs. And unfortunately, they succumbed to cancer. You know, after after you know a, 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 a short but long journey mm. um, with mm. cancer. So there are those cases, and and if you if you know those cases, um, then that's the view that you'll have. But we we really are here to say. Uh, may we have a balanced view of what cancer is, while the stuff that you may not be able to prevent, but where we can do our best uh, to live healthy lifestyles and also to try and detect cancer early so that you, we can at uh, least give ourselves the opportunity to intervene early. And also, um, Aubrey, even in instances where um, cancer is already spread to other parts of the body, with the you know, all the research and development in the cancer space in terms of medications that are used now in cancer, there is also um, a longer survival that we're seeing with cancer patients now. Uh, People are no longer dying like it was before. Yes, there will still be people who will die because there are many other conditions that will kill you. But, um, you know, there's a lot of research that's going into the cancer space to make and the 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 outcomes for cancer are much better for people. So people can live for long time for a long period of time with with a cancer diagnosis and unlike before.
1: So from B in Cape Town. Good evening to you, B.
3: Well hi. Um yes, um two points. First of all I heard on the news the other day that the UK is searching for Jewish people They said that they have the CR1 and 2, which is a breast cancer, and they want them all to be screened because they think it's within the Jewish community. I thought that was very interesting. And the other thing is that um, my son's friend um, got um, bowel cancer, and we had read in a book that um, in South America they have... um, 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 coffee enemas, you can use organic coffee, uh, Woolworth sells it, just the in brand, and it cured her completely. She didn't have anything else except, um, bowel enemas, and that cured her cancer. I don't know if it's for gastric, because the gentleman who phoned in, who thinks he's got, um, gastric cancer, maybe it also cures, um, bowel and um, stomach cancer as well as gastric. If you drink the organic coffee, I don't know. It's just a suggestion. Tell me about the Jewish cancer.
2: What what, what
3: was that about? Yes, it was on the the radio news. It was only, you know, um, I listened to Magic News, and it was on Magic News, and it was last week, and it said they were looking in the UK for um, the Jewish community who had... um, um, Jewish blood in them, and they said there was a breast cancer, and it was called the CR, I don't know what CR stands for, CR1 and CR2, breast cancer, and they... The, uh... Hello? Okay,
0: let me, let, me, let me allow you to finish,
3: and then I'll, I'll come in. Okay, so you probably, Doctor, know much more about it than I do, and they wanted people who had Jewish blood to come in and be screened to see if they, were, they could get it in the future or whether they had it. So I'm finished.
1: Thank you so much for your call. Much appreciated, uh, Doc, as we close.
0: Yes, so I mean um, that's why there is a genetic component and we know, for example, Ashkenazi Jews um, uh, have got a higher, you know they're they're at higher risk of developing um, breast cancer and uh, the gene that I think uh, he was referring to is the BRCA1 and BRCA2 gene Um, and we also know that in South Africa with the uh, Afrikaner descendants um, also they are at a higher risk, uh, which is why there is a, that recommendation to do that genetic screening as well to see, um, if uh, a person uh, is at a higher risk, people may even remember Angelina Jolie. Um, at some point, uh, did a genetic screening yes. uh, and uh, ended up with a double mastectomy, removing both breasts because she was at a very high risk of developing breast cancer. Mm. So she did a preventative uh, removal of her breasts. So the as the as
1: genetic as well. predisposition thing, uh, is 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 real, right, Doc?
0: Yes but I think it's important to highlight that I mean we say hereditary cancers also account only for 5% right. of uh, the total um, you know cancers that are you know uh, specifically I mean when we think about uh, breast cancer for example 5% and I think even in other cancers you know it's always a smaller proportion of the broader you know um, population of of people who are who who have got The cancer. So for all of us who may be in the 95% where we may not have that hereditary component, we still need to make sure then that we screen because there are people who, who will have cancer and there will be no uh, family uh, history whatsoever that um, indicated that they would have been at high risk. So, um, so I think it's important not to, to, to also overplay genetics, um, and downplay lifestyle and, and other
1: respect us. Dr. Nolutando Nemetsurani, thank you so much for joining us. Chief Clinical Officer at Discovery Health. How do we get in touch with you uh, Doc, if uh, we want to continue this conversation with you as listeners? Um,
0: I'm happy to come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we will most
1: definitely have you back, Doc. I think maybe that's the best way to handle this thing. Uh, most definitely have you back uh, in the very near future, but thank you so much for joining us.